Chris Kelsey here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First to Run, Matt and I, oh boy, Matt, this was a fun one for me. G.I. Joe and He-Man were basically my favorite toys growing up, with some superpowers and Marvel Secret Wars thrown in. Star Wars when I was younger, but um, quite excited to talk about Snake Eyes, the first spinoff from the G.I. Joe cinematic universe. We get the origin story, finally, of possibly the most popular character in the entire Hasbro toy line. We're also going to talk about M. Night Shyamalan's latest film, Old. Yeah, and then uh, we'll share with you what we think our five favorite G.I. Joe characters are. Plus, we will fill you in on what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, August 3rd, featuring your straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week. All right, Matt. I guess sometimes it's best just to rip off the Band-Aid. So let's spend a few minutes and talk about Snake Eyes. Cool. Not the not the Nick Cage movie. You saved my life. Why? I'm not a murderer. I looked into your eyes and I saw honor. I owe you. We are going home. I don't have a home. Not yours. What is it exactly you do? For 600 years, our ninja have brought peace to the world. But things have changed. I need warriors like you to become the future of the clan. It's yours, if you want it. Let's go. Let's go! Is that what the kids do now nowadays, Matt? They, uh, they I, know, let's go. I, I don't think so. I don't oh. think so. Damn. Let's go, Matt. What is Snake Eyes all about? Uh, well, um, it's the origin story of Snake Eyes that really sums it up pretty much in the title. But uh, you find out why he's called Snake Eyes, and I won't spoil that big real reveal for you because it's it's a doozy, folks. Um, <laughs> but he's he's working on my butt. Yeah, he's working in the uh, as a a pit fighter. He saves a man's life who turns out to be affiliated with with some ninja because we all know Snake Eyes is a ninja. And um, in appreciation for his uh, efforts in saving him, he takes him to Japan to be trained as a ninja, and he blossoms from there. Well, because also too, right? His his father is killed when he is a young boy. So he well, dedicates his life. Right. I was well, did you not catch the part about where I did not want to ruin why he became known as the name Snake Eyes? But it doesn't For explain why it's Snake Eyes. It's just, well, you know, it's fine. It's the Batman thing all over again. Okay. Well, it's yes, if as as any writer will know, the laziest way to mo- motivate someone is to kill a member of their family, and here we are. Thank goodness. <laughs> so Snake Eyes, easily, I think it's fair to say he's the most popular G.I. Joe character. Oh, yeah, right? by far. By far, yeah. So the silent assassin, though he's really chatty in this one sometimes, which they don't even get into. You think they'll wait for that stuff to the inevitable sequel that will, I'm assuming, be seven or eight years away, the way these G.I. Mm-hmm. Joe films seem to be coming right. out? Right. Total recast. Yeah. Do we know why Snake Eyes doesn't talk? I don't really remember. My understanding, if I remember correctly, and now this is going from the comics, which I have not read in 20 plus years, is that mm. he saved somebody from a crashed helicopter. Okay. Which is why he's also very disfigured and why he wears a mask. Gotcha. Now, I don't remember if... I also think there's something about him taking a vow of silence as well. Okay. okay. So I may be conflating thing the, the mask reason with the silence. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure. Maybe it was the vow of silence with Storm Shadow because they did they go into that where they did grow up together. Yeah. Where, but I think it was Snake Eyes' character. He was an orphan on the streets who was trying to steal food from Storm Shadow's family, and they took okay. him in. And then gotcha. a rivalry developed between the two of them as they grew mm-hmm. up because mm-hmm. Snake Eyes ended up becoming the favored kid in the family over Storm Shadow. Right. They. Uh, I remember in the comics so. One of my favorite comics, which I thought was a, when I was a kid, was a comic where Snake Eyes is rescuing Scarlet from Cobra, and the whole thing. There's no dialogue in the yeah. whole thing. 
that was a good one. And then I also always liked in the G.I. Joe comics, like they'd be hanging out at the pool or the beach or whatever. And like, you'd see horrible burn victim snake eyes, but he'd still be wearing a mask the whole time. Like mm. mask and the sunglasses. They would never, he would never take one off <laughs> even when he was hanging out by the pool. <laughs> and I think too, in the comics that storm shadow joins Cobra because he wants to find out who killed his father. Mm-hmm. And he believes it was somebody in Cobra. So he joins their side to infiltrate and find out. And I believe it was Zartan. In the end, who was gotcha. responsible for Storm Shadow's dad's death? So I guess maybe I'm blowing the sequel, the plot for you, basically <laughs> you are. right there. Yeah, you are. Yeah, good job, Chris. Way to blow a the 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 plot of a sequel that's not even in pre-production yet. I'm not even thinking we're going to get one. No, me neither. Because this is not good, folks. And it's very disappointing to me because I'm. I mean, I'm wondering, Matt. Can we just not make a good G.I. Joe movie? Is it just not possible? Is that the issue? Because we haven't yet to get we have yet to get one. Yeah, here's the thing. Uh, G.I. Joe, more than any of the other properties that were kind of the you know, show length uh, commercials for toys in the eighties, like you had your He-Man, your um, Transformers. Thundercats, G- Robots. Yeah. G.I. Joe was the absolute flimsiest. It was a big thing, but man, it didn't have a whole lot to it to kind of really hang anything off of it. And I I think you're kind of running into that with how ridiculous and flimsy it is as you try and move this into kind of live action fare. I don't, I really remember like the Weather Dominator. You could turn a movie into the Weather Dominator miniseries they did. That was like the first G.I. Joe cartoon, right? Was the Weather Dominator. I, I don't know if that's true. I mean... All right, if you want to go, because you have the terrorist organization Cobra, you have this elite group of special forces, for lack of a better term, people, right? The best Mm -hmm. warriors from all over the world who are trying to, I mean, I think that it's there. There's something there to build off of. And I don't know why they keep swinging and missing with this stuff. I mean, even this film, you got ninjas, Matt. You have action set pieces, potentially some crazy just logic and physics defying stunts. Right. And then, of course, you have long intervals where nothing happens. And at no point do you really feel at all that there are any stakes in any of this, even when the big MacGuffin shows up. Right. Even then, it's kind of the whole thing is anticlimactic. So we'll just start off by saying without I don't know how concerned I am with spoilers on this thing where Snake Eyes isn't exactly pure of heart. All right. 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 When he joins the the clan. And they have this shift when he has a change of heart during this dazzling motorcycle chase, clearly in front of a green screen (laughs) through traffic. And one of the characters there, Akiko, all right? Akiko, yeah. Okay. She has this line she delivers to Tommy, who is also Storm Shadow. Basically, you know, some of the effect of, he's he's helping us now. You know, and (laughs) it's just... It is what he has done to portray them to me, I think is unforgivable in a way, right? I mean, he is ultimately responsible for everything that goes wrong in this film and the deaths of, I don't know how many people yeah, because of his actions and how he's able to quickly redeem himself is it's just, again, it's another fault. It's like you said, how shaky this whole thing is. I felt like it's good. It could collapse on itself at any point. And then don't even, let me get into the whole fact with Samara, we- Samara Weaving, who plays Scarlet, who I feel like was a last-minute addition. Like, there are yeah. scenes with the two of them acting together where they're clearly not in the same scene. <laughs> they're not in the same room. <laughs> and there's just a lot of that just clunky stuff, bad CGI, poorly shot and edited action scenes. They either zoomed in too close or they're too right. shaky, so it's kind of hard right. to follow what's going on. You know, then this whole thing with this pit with these wise and supernatural snakes who decide if you're worthy or not, right? So, I mean, if we're going to go Aquaman nuts, go Aquaman nuts. Lean into it. Right. I just, it's really, it's the whole film for me, Matt, was a waste of time. Am I wrong? Am I right? What are your No, you're absolutely right. I was annoyed that I had to go watch this film because this is not the film that I would normally watch. I actually, I don't think I've ever really seen any of the the other G.I. Joe movies all the way through. Cause I think those were during Dave's tenure. 
Um, And I've I've never had to watch them for the show. So I never watched them. So I feel more enriched because I never had to watch them. And (laughs) I, yeah, I don't know what this thing is doing. Um, I don't know why we can't make a decent movie out of an 80s property. Um, Transformers, except with the exception of Bumblebee, they're all pretty bad to absolutely terrible. Um, He-Man, I haven't seen this whole Kevin Smith thing on Netflix, um, so I don't know if that's any good. Um, but I saw the first one. It's, it's okay. It's it's not it's okay. bad. The animation is much better than the original show was because you know that original cartoon they had reused the same shots over and over again right. on the same episode. Right. right. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's because people, if it's just because the '80s properties are just not that good, or if it's people who don't really know the property or don't really have a real love for the property or just trying to catch in. Um, mm. But yeah, this is just this is just bad. I mean, I really like Samara Weaving. I really wish her star would kind of tip over into the edge where we can see some more of her. And it was really just underutilized her as Scarlet. Um, where Scarlet seems to be the kiss of death because Rachel Nichols was was Scarlet too, and nothing came of that. She wasn't yeah. pretty good in that either. Um, and I don't know what about what do you what do you how do you feel about Henry Golding as the titular Snake Eyes here? Um, I was not a fan. Now I know Ray Park can't act, but I know he's got a physicality to him and he played snake eyes and the other, you know, in the other uh, GI Joe movies. I, I think they could have done a little bit better. I think they could have gotten somebody who was a little bit more, you know, I guess more capable, I think than maybe Henry Golding. I don't know. I think Golding's problem is that he's, hampered by just a not a very good script mm-hmm. with, with some really poor direction i mean this it, it's just not good i don't really lay it on him in fact while i was watching this thing the one there's two good things that came out of it one was eco Uweas, who mm-hmm. i love to see he plays the hard master so i was happy to see him right and then when i walked out of this thing it was the first time in my head where i thought you know what i could see him as james bond i could see it who henry Golding? yeah okay so, uh, but that's the only two positives I got out of this thing. I didn't have so much a problem with him. I blame everything around him. Yeah. I just, I didn't really have a problem with him so far. And so like the acting and he did as much as he could. I was just more just thinking about is, does he have the fight bona fide to throw around a bunch of, you know, kicks and, and sword play and stuff like that. I can I see it pulling off a James Bond, but, or a John Wick type thing. But I, I mean, the whole ninja thing just seems... That seems like a whole different level of stuff that you need. I don't know. I blame that on the editing and the, the how they shot it, the camera work, yeah. the the staging of it. I don't know if I blame that on him. Okay. I think you're I think you you're you're possibly right, but like I say, I think it's the choreography. I just don't think yeah. it was well done. Yeah. Well the whole thing is not is not well done. No. And my life is diminished for having seen this film. You're welcome. <laughs> I like too at the end there the post credit scene is it's like there's some really on you know on the edge punk action movie, but ends up completely devoid of any thrills whatsoever. I mean that fight scene you see in the trailer, which is on the car carrier truck. Yeah, you know it's just it's worse than you can even imagine watching it on right. the trailer. And when I see the trailer, I'm like, oh, that might be interesting. No, no, it's not. <laughs> and the whole movie's like that, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't really know what else to say about this, guys. I mean, we watched it because you don't have to, I guess. So there you go. you're welcome. What are you gonna give it? Is it I give it a C minus. C minus? Oh wow, yeah. that seems that seems incredibly generous as far as I as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, I gave it a D. I didn't I did not like this at all. Yeah, no, I, I definitely sounded harsher than a C minus, didn't I? You sure did. Yeah, I you did say it's not good several times. All right. I'll go D plus. Is that a okay. thing? I'll go D yeah. plus. I think that's sure. fair. Disappointing. And I like too he's not he doesn't even get the mask helmet thing until the end. And at some point, can't we just go with a visor? Why does everything have to be like nanite technology or whatever it is with the right. magic appearing visors or whatever it masks right. everything is? Right. Did you see I haven't watched it in like a season and a half. Did you see the flash where they had lightsabers out of lightning bolts? A fight no. between no. three speedsters where they were holding lightning and fighting like no. it were bats. No, I haven't watched The Flash <sighs> probably in like three or four seasons. Oh man, 
I can't believe that makes me not want to catch up with it. It really does. I may have to look that up on YouTube just to see how bad it is. Yeah. Another thing too, I want to praise the movie comic nerd incel community for not getting all crazy about Snake Eyes being Asian. Because mm. he's not in the comics. I think no, he actually like has that. red hair. Does he have to have blonde hair? I Maybe I, blonde. I, I, Either way, yeah. he's he's one of us. He's one of the tribe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm happy that that wasn't a big deal. So good on you people right. for not making well, an like, uproar about my snake eyes is an Asian. So good. Yeah, I think that just goes to show you how how far the GI Joe franchise has fallen. You know. Now they made him a woman. I think that would have done it. Ooh, all bets are off. <laughs> Good times. So if you had a chance to see Snake Eyes, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. I don't know why you would. Okay. Let's keep rolling, Matt. Coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday, August 3rd. is one of the few Clint Eastwood movies I have not seen. And I listened to this clip, this trailer here, and I think I'm going to have to. Here comes Clint Eastwood in Coogan's Bluff. Clint Eastwood is Coogan. You from Texas? Arizona. And Coogan gives New York 24 hours to get out of town. Clint Eastwood, Arizona Sheriff. Unpredictable, unconventional. Applies the techniques of the modern Western lawman to ride herd on the lawless in the joints and nightclubs of a big city. Susan Clark. She makes Coogan's blood boil in more ways than one can imagine. She falls for Coogan's bluff. Don Stroud, dangerous hopped-up killer, who is cornered by Coogan's Bluff. Tisha Sterling, the beautiful decoy who calls Coogan's Bluff. Betty Field, who unwittingly buys Coogan's Bluff. And Lee J. Cobb, the tough police lieutenant who challenges Coogan's Bluff. Get the hell out of my office and don't come back until I send for you. You blew a stake out! Matt, are you familiar with Coogan's Bluff? <laughs> I've heard of it. I've never watched it, though. But I do like how they, you know, bluff. When I heard Coogan's bluff, I'm thinking like, you know, like a bluff, like a mountainside. But mm-hmm. no, it's like a, a lie kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a four-pack of Clint Eastwood DVDs like 10 years ago. That that was part of it. And I okay. never watched it. Like that, the Iger Sanction. And I can't remember the other two. I have a copy of Tightrope on DVD I bought 20 years ago. I've never watched either. Have you seen Paint Your Wagon Red? No. I have not seen that either. That's Nor have I other. seen Two Mules for Sister Sarah. Oh, I haven't seen Two Mules for Sister Sarah either. Hey, maybe we're coming up with our new, our next uh, marathon idea. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Clint Eastwood movies we haven't seen. There you go. Then of course, uh, we're bringing that up because it is getting released by Kino. Uh, directed by Don Siegel. He did the Dirty Harry movie with it, right? And three, excuse me, two new audio commentaries and a new interview as well. One of the audio commentaries features Alan Spencer, who created the classic show from the 80s, Sledgehammer. Oh, yeah. Wow. Folks, you got to go ahead and YouTube that. You want to see some uh, fun stuff. Think of like Airplane, but with cop shows, but not Police Squad. Okay. Luca is getting a physical release, Matt, which we just reviewed as part of this show. Currently available on Disney Plus. Steel book available from Best Buy. Target has a unique cover with lithographs. And there's uh let's see, four making of featurettes and seven deleted scenes. Matt, one of the bigger disappointments of the year for me is Those Who Wish Me Dead. The Angelina Jolie film mm-hmm. from um our boy Tyler Sheridan there. Yeah, it took me a second to remember that I watched that movie. But yeah, definitely a disappointment. Yeah, I'm not even sure I'd bother to tell you to rent it. I'd like, just go watch Wind River instead or something mm-hmm. else. Like, well, Wind River is one of those movies. I, re- I watched it again like a month ago. I've now watched that thing like four times. I'm not sure what it is about that film. How, yeah. Just how lean and mean it is. I don't know. I, right. I'm really impressed with that one. This one, not so much. Billy Crystal wrote and direct and stars in Here Today. Uh, he's also, who also finished, is uh, who's in that? Tiffany Haddish. When a veteran comedy writer, Charlie Burns, meets New York street singer Emma Page, they form an unlikely yet hilarious and touching friendship, Matt, that kicks a generation gap aside and redefines the meaning of love and trust. First one favorite, Michael J. White, stars in Take Back 
from Shout Factory, also including Mickey Rourke and Gillian White. Zara and Brian are living in the perfect small town life when a mysterious stranger from Zara's secret past kidnaps their daughter. And now they must race to save her life. I wonder if it's Gillian White. I always go Gillian now because of Gillian Jacobs from Community. Mm. Mm -hmm. D. Simon Barrett, who wrote, along with Adam Wingard, uh, Blair Witch, The Guest, and You're Next, makes his directorial debut with Seance. Camille, a young woman who arrives at the Fairfield Academy following one of the students' untimely and violent deaths. I, if this popped up somewhere, I may watch it because I like those films he's done with Wingard. Okay. I even think that Blair Witch film, though a little flawed at times, has a couple really terrifying moments that are worth, I think, watching that film just experience. Mm-hmm. Code Red is releasing Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, also previously known as Night Warning. An orphan teenager finds himself being dominated by his aunt, who is hell-bent on keeping him with her. At all costs. Previously remastered in 2K from an original camera negative in 2017, featuring audio commentaries, uh, on-camera interviews, and a limited edition O-card slipcase. There's a steelbook, Matt, coming out of Transformers the movie, one of the most heartbreaking films of my youth. <laughs> Man, when they killed Optimus, Matt, that absolutely floored me. I didn't expect... I mean, they, they go straight to killing Autobots right in the, the, the first... 30 seconds of the... It was pretty brutal, too. I was not expecting that. Yeah, nah. Me neither. Kino is releasing some new films. Uh, Union Pacific featuring Barbara Stanwyck, the brand new audio commentary. No Time for Love featuring Claudette Colbert and Fred McMurray. Four Frightened People with our new audio commentary by film critic Nick Pinkerton. Arise, My Love. What else is coming out here? The Valdez Horses, also known as Chino, which is a Charles Brosnan vehicle. Brand new 2K restoration of that one. And then finally, Matt, I'm going to give you, man, this is mercifully short this week. Your straight to DVD pick of the week is dead again. In a rural village where crime is non-existent, a police sergeant is retiring out of boredom. On the day he is set, on the day he is sent a young recruit, you know what it is? It's not even my fault. The problem is this is probably written. I bet you we're missing words here. On the day he is set to retire, he is sent a young recruit fresh out of police academy. All hell is breaks loose. Yes, it's not me. All hell is breaks loose <laughs> with both officers fighting for survival. So why I chose it, Matt, is the cover looks like a mishmash of Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. Oh, and nice. clearly I think that's what that little blurb, as well written as it is, is uh, going for. So what should we be streaming this week? So available on HBO Max now, um, new for July, uh, is the film that Chris wanted me to catch up with, but I never did until very recently. Uh, Freaky, um, a mm. gory slasher comedy take on uh, Freaky Friday, where Vince Vaughn is uh, body swapped with a uh, teenager. Vince Vaughn happens to be a killer, so hilarity ensues as he's the killer is now in, occupying the body of a cute teenage girl. So I loved Freaky. I saw it at the drive-in. We never got a chance to talk about it because you couldn't catch up with it. What right. were your thoughts? You're recommending it, right? So Yeah, I thought it was a good time. I thought it was a you know, fun, I, I will hesitate to call it a horror comedy. I think it effectively leans into the comedy well enough to where it doesn't take away from the more gory elements of it. But I, yeah. I thought it was a good time. I thought it was a, a pretty good, fun little uh, B-movie film. And those are tough for you. Horror comedies yeah. are a genre you tend not to care for that much. I, I don't because I never do it right. It's well, this is by the people behind the uh, Happy Death Day films. Both, mm. I think, very good. Yeah. Though the second one, I think, is much more sci-fi comedy than horror comedy. I but agree. both of those are great. And I think Freaky is even better. So I loved Vince Vaughn in that film. I thought he was absolutely uh, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, he was pretty funny. All right, folks. Great. If you haven't seen it, I'm telling you, man, Freaky, it got the mat thumbs up, so you should definitely check it out. Let's go ahead, though, keep rolling, spend a few minutes talking about M. Night Shyamalan's latest joint, Old. We have to get the resort people before they leave. I think we will all have to leave this beach. Wait, why? They left already. What happened? We really don't know what happened. Well, I think this man had something to do with it. If I was involved, why would I be standing around, bro? Damn. His nose is bleeding. I think he got that when she was trying to defend herself. I don't like this dynamic at all. Well, my nose has been bleeding for hours, man. I don't know why he's doing that. Charles, something's wrong with your mother. She's asking for you, honey. Well, we're all in this now. 
we are responsible for that woman. And I've got nothing against this man. I'm just doing what needs to be done. Tempers are high, Matt. It's very tense and taut at this private beach here in Old. What happens is basically this young couple, this young family, they're going through some issues and they get this really great deal on this little resort trip. They go there and they go to this private beach with other people, Matt, start showing up as well. And what happens is their families, them, their kids, everybody starts aging entirely too fast. Hence the title, Old. Matt, M. Night Shyamalan has delivered, I think, some truly unique and interesting films since he basically burst on the screen in the late 90s with, some may say, his best film, which is The Sixth Sense, mm -hmm. a film that just took this country by storm. Mm -hmm. And then, he, of course, he did Unbreakable, which is a film that I adore. Yep. And I may, if I had to choose, probably would say it's his best film. Then Signs, which is another great one, which is The Alien mm -hmm. Invasion, which probably has one of the best scares of the past uh, 20, 30 years. Yep, I agree. And then things kind of take a turn. Yes. For about 10 years or so, he turns out some just not great stuff. But then I think he makes a little bit of a return with The Visit, mm -hmm. which is very creepy and scary. Uh, Split with James McAvoy is a lot of fun, especially with its big reveal at the end. Then there is the... Oh, boy. Glass. There's Glass, <laughs> which I think is a very well-done film that infuriates mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And here we are with Old. Matt, what are your thoughts on Old? It's, I know Shyamalan is kind of envisions himself as kind of a modern-day... Hitchcock top guy, right? Where he he brings these thrillers, but they always have these big twists at the end. Where yeah. does old fall in his over? What are your thoughts here? And uh, do we have another hit in our hands? Uh, no, I don't think we do. I mean, we may have a hit. I don't know what it's doing on the box office, but uh, I don't think this is going to be fondly remembered. I think this is going to be one of his weaker, considered one of his weaker films. I don't think it's as bad as his weakest films, like. Mm -hmm. uh, glass or uh, the last airbender i guess is his lowest rotten tomato i've never story. seen that one i've never seen that one although i the have happening. had this the, yeah i've had this weird desire to watch the happening again to remember because it's developed a so bad you have to watch it to just to really appreciate it kind of thing um so i kind of want to see it again huh? but this i don't know like it's it's all a very um it's a bottle movie, right? Everything kind of mm -hmm. takes place in this this uh, very enclosed space. It's a lot of uh, talking, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I don't know. Like, the mystery is kind of like a so what kind of thing. So, <laughs> like, I, like, I, like it's, it's basically a Twilight Zone episode. Like, people are growing older, and if you never explain that, that would be completely okay with me. Like, I think that's really not what they were going for here. Um, but a lot of the acting is just flat, even by some actors who are pretty good um, normally. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know. I wasn't really on board with this. I mean, yeah, that's a great point. Mate. Gail Garcia Bernal's in this. Vicky Creeps, who I loved in uh, what, a Phantom Thread. Mm -hmm. And she does show up in Girl in the Spider's Web, which is an issue another problem with a film that was really disappointing but uh rufus sewell shows up with this alex wolf pops up right thomason mckenzie M. beth davids i mean it, it, it's got a pretty solid cast here mm -hmm. but i agree with you and just like i think the village is would have been an absolutely perfect 45 50 minute twilight's episode that that just yeah. runs too long yeah that um this kind of has that same feel to it but again even the end the big reveal at the end is it's underwhelming it really is. And and I think another big issue is that though the film has, I think, a couple good scares, mm -hmm. it's only a couple. Yeah. And I think the film is hampered by its PG-13 rating. There yeah. are a bunch of key cutaways that really lessen the impact. I'm watching this thing and I'm like, you can't do that now. You can't show me something like Midsommar, which has just these brutal moments. Yeah. And then kind of have kind of similar moments in this film but always cut away or cut to the waves or whatever the case may be. I think that they somehow they lose their impact. 
I know generally it's like it's what you don't see, what your imagination shows to you is always going to be worse than what actually is revealed. That's just, it's not the case here. It actually weakens his thesis with this film. It entirely does. What are your thoughts about and that? And what do you, I mean, do you think the, uh, you know, he's known for a twist, but do you think, we does this movie even serve to buy a twist? I mean, it's not even really a twist so much as it's an explanation at the end. Like, I don't, I don't understand why it's even there. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think maybe he feels he has to do this now. Mm-hmm. He has to have the big reveal. Right. The fact that you have then a less than memorable script, which I'm being kind here, that requires people to not think and act logically, I think at some times. He needs to move people around and set up these scenarios that just, for me, just didn't quite jive with human nature and how people would react to things. And with the final then, so we have that going against us. And then we have the final reveal. We have this interesting concept of this secluded area that causes you to age unnaturally. He's making some grand statement, I guess, about what? Well, I don't know. We want to, we don't want to reveal it, right? No, we don't want to. Nah, I guess we shouldn't. But it all lands with a thud. Right. But what's odd is while I'm walking out of this film, Matt, is partly I'm like, I want him to keep going. Because I know with Shyamalan, I'm going to get something different. I'm going to get something new. He has a style and a look that I think that keeps you interested. I was mostly interested in this film. I was invested. I right. would occasionally groan and roll my eyes at certain moments. Right. But I was still interested to see where we were going and what was going to happen. So even if you're not always satisfied with the results of what he gives us, I still want to see the next product. Because it, it, just he's one of the few, I think, unique voices that kind of just is able to kind of give us this unique concepts every now. Sometimes it's a swing and a miss. Yeah. Sometimes it's a double and I'm entertained, yeah. whatever the case may be. So I just, just for me, this is a swing and a miss this time, but I'm curious to see what he does next. Well, other times I'm quick to write somebody off. Like, like right. I don't need to see another Michael Bay film. Right. Right. But Shyamalan, I'm going to, yeah, I'm buying a ticket next time out. See if you, if like, you know, you had six cents, unbreakable signs which i you know enjoy i enjoyed all those films and i um to varying degrees and you know the village i thought was flawed i think there's some and it could have been a much better film if they had just reversed a few things like i think in the village they revealed they revealed they made a big reveal way too early and it kind of sapped the rest of the film out of uh of any kind of tent you know of uh suspense um mm-hmm. But by the happening, like I was ready to write Shyamalan off. I thought he would never get another another decent film under his belt. And he has surprised me. He has released some things that I've actually quite enjoyed. So I'm with you. I, I don't think this is anywhere near his best work. And I don't think it's particularly good. But I, I don't want him to stop. I think I would be – I'm still curious to see what he comes up with next because – you never know when we're going to get another split or, or uh, something else. Yeah, listen, if you haven't seen The Visit, that mm-hmm. thing works. Yeah. And it's really well done. And it is very intense and scary. And, of course, you know, the split is great, as we said. And, well, you know, we could spend three hours talking about glass. <laughs> but the other thing, good thing about Shyamalan, too, that I think allows him to keep doing this is he makes his movies on the cheap. And they tend to always make money. Even if they're not terribly good, he does turn a profit. Like this, we made for eighteen million, and it cleared twenty-seven point six. Yeah, and you know, a pretty. I think from what I can remember, pretty on the cheap marketing campaign on this thing. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. How did the last Airbender that had to lose money? I'm kind of curious. Let's see. Nope, hundred fifty million budget, three hundred twenty at the box office. Wow. I assume that's worldwide, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about Matt's favorite, The Happening. Let's just check real fast. Jesus, Matt. <laughs> $48 million budget, $163 million. Jeez, that's crazy. That's got to be word of mouth. Of, like, it's so bad, you got to go see this thing. But then he does this to you. The Visit, $5 million, 98.5, cleared. Wow, there you go. You do that, you're going to keep making movies, folks. That's, That's very simple. true. That simple. 
So, all right, Matt, what are your thoughts? Anything you want to add about uh, old? No, not really. I mean, I think this is a definitely, I wouldn't rush out to the theater, risk any kind of Delta variant or anything like that to go see this. I think there's much better uh, things coming up that you should take uh, advantage of. I would wait till this hits uh, a streaming service or even your Redbox if you want. I'd give it a C minus. Same. I, I concur completely with you, with your your uh, thoughts there, and I gave it a C- minus as well. Mm. Sorry, M. Knight. Next Oof, time I have to strong, get... Strong week. Strong week for us here <laughs> at the first run. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see if we can uh, redeem it a little bit here. Have a little fun, Matt. And we're going to now next tell you what our five favorite G.I. Joe characters are. Your mom uh, had an accident. I'll uh, take you to her. Uh-oh. Look, Wild Bill! Who was that? Some stranger. He said Donnie's mom was hurt. I didn't know if I should go with him. Well, just don't do what a stranger says. Check it out with an adult you know. Remember, a stranger... Can mean danger. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Good to know, Matt. So, are you familiar with the G.I. Joe PSAs, the parodies? Oh, Fensler Films ones? Is that you got a cease and desist order on? Yeah, I downloaded all of those. I've been holding on to those for forever because they've been scrubbed from the internet. Those are amazing. Oh, because I found a bunch of them on YouTube with no problem. Oh, you? oh, okay. Yeah, there was a time where he got a lot of cease and desist um, from, from Hasbro, um, so he had to take them down, but I, I'm glad they made it back up. But yeah, I love those things. Absolutely fantastic. All right, good, because we may have one as a stinger. We'll have to say. Uh, so, let's see. Is it, is it body massage machine? <laughs> no, no, it's something to do with sandwiches, I believe. Okay, okay. So, all right, Matt, go ahead. Actually, I'll, yeah, why don't you start us off? Because I still can't decide on my list. My top five okay. is uh, nine long, and I have not been able to uh, limit it down. So, why don't you start us off? What is your Who's your fifth favorite G.I. Joe character? Man, you really love G.I. Joe way more I than do. I did. All right, so my uh, number five is um, G.I. Joe's uh, resident fighter fighter. Um, with the ridiculous name of Barbecue. Um, <laughs> he dresses in a bright orange jumpsuit and has a sinister-looking slitted helmet, um, but uh, which I thought was really cool <laughs> when I was a kid, even though he's got a really stupid name. But uh, yeah, that's 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 my number five, just because he looked cool was Barbecue. There you go. Well, that's a good pick. So I guess I'll go with my number five then. When it comes to cool looking, is going to be probably the Iron Grenadiers. Mm. Uh, Destro's exclusive shock troops or whatever they were. They had these really cool kind of helmets with little spikes on them and these ridged, ridged shoulders. Thing. I don't know. I can't just Google them. Look them up. I just love the design of those things. And that's when they redesigned Destro as well, where they gave him the gold face covering helmet thing mm-hmm. instead of the silver one. Yeah, and I love too that he's supposed to be a Scottish arms dealer, but he right. isn't until the actual first movie. Yeah, I know, right? But uh, <laughs> still, I would—I don't know. There was something really cool, and what I would do too is I would repurpose a lot of my GI Joe toys. So yeah. I wouldn't really play GI Joe with them, but I actually turned them into superheroes and supervillains, and created all these backstories and different things for them. So that's what I did. And the Grenadiers were one of my favorite ones to play with. They're my five. Yeah, I used to really, that was my favorite. I never, when we were kids, you know, nobody ever wanted to play the bad guys, you know, when we were playing with our toys. But uh, I always wanted to play with the Cobra guys because they looked way cooler than, mm. than the actual G.I. Joes. Um, all right, so my number four is a uh, Cobra um, adjacent villain who actually looks like a soldier he's not wearing any kind of tube top or you know some ridiculous mask or anything like that he's basically in camouflage with a balaclava on which is something you could see a terrorist wearing Uh, i'm talking about the resident saboteur firefly Mm. um he was super cool because he had not only did he have his bag of of bomb uh making parts and stuff but he also had a flamethrower which was cool as shit (laughs) (laughs) i love firefly as well that's a good pick he was right outside my five my number four then is one of the probably craziest things I think G.I. Joe ever did when they did a whole little mini series. That's what they do. You know, when they, the cartoon came back, Matt, they always did a like a four or five episode mini series that would then kind of launch into the regular series. And maybe it was three episodes. Either way, 
Doctor, I believe it's Doctor Mindbender has the idea to okay. create the ultimate Cobra leader from the DNA of other conquerors throughout history. Because Cobra Commander has just lost and got his butt kicked over and over again. So they do this. They basically create a Frankenstein's monster of these historic leaders. And that's how we got with Serpentor. Serpentor Mm -hmm. is this mix of all these guys. He had this golden snake armor that he wore with his green cape. And he came with like a little glide platform thing with a snake's head, whatever it was, you know. And uh, that thing was just cool as hell. Conceptually, I just love the whole idea of it, too. But uh, I don't know if he ever really got his due. I never. I felt like he was always just kind of a side thing. Yeah. To sell toys like the whole yeah. show was. Yeah. But uh, still, I just love the idea of that. It's so crazy and so fun. Yeah. And he, and he had a subgroup of Cobra, Cobra Law. So stupid. It's so stupid. I can still remember in the cartoon their battle cry where they would like say Cobra and then they would ululate the law as they would run into battle. It was so dumb. Was that? And I loved it. That was that the Serpentor thing? Was that the GI? Because that's Cobra Law was GI Joe the movie. Was that where Serpentor came from? Was the movie? Um, Am I misremembering I, that? I don't remember, but I do. Re- I thought I remember Cobra Law being a part of the Serpentor stuff. Now, granted, so a, it's been 40 years, so what can I that's say? That's true. And because, no, Serpentor was before that. Okay. I think you got to feel that at some point. Yeah, it's revealed that Cobra Commander was part of this agent or this ancient group of people, the Cobra Law. Mm. Man. They even turned him into a snake at some point, didn't they? I do remember. Yeah, they do turn Cobra Commander into a snake. Oh, boy. Good times. All right. So my number three, um, and I just want to, well, I'll save it. My number three then is um, the kind of the the more standard ninja um, of uh, the G.I. Joe world. And that's, that is Storm Shadow. Mm -hmm. Um, The the ninja in white in a traditional garb, um, unlike Snake Eyes, um, he had the mysterious little toy. He had the mysterious uh, you know, tattoo on his arm that, which was pretty impressive for such a tiny little toy that they have. Yeah. Um, and I always thought he was uh, a pretty cool bad guy. Um, you know, ninjas back in the eighties, let's just not undersell how big ninjas were. So, uh, he was fit right into my kid, uh, fiefdom. Absolutely. Storm shadows, my number three as well. Had his little plastic swords. He had two of them yep. as well. And just like he does in the uh, movie here with in snake eyes, but, that was really my first introduction to Ninja in general was uh, Storm Shadow. And I just consumed right. all of it. It was one of my favorite characters. And I was desperate to know more about who he is and his weird s- secret connection to Snake Eyes mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So, uh, yeah, that was a big thing for me as a kid with that comic in the show. So he's my number three as well. All right. So my number two is I would, would come as a bit of a shock, um, you know, for you know most five-year-olds at the time but my number two favorite gi joe um was a female joe was scarlet um i thought she was really cool with the uh, red hair and the um crossbow that she came with you know lady j was stupid baroness was stupid but uh i was all about scarlet and like i mentioned earlier in the show she was kind of snake eyes adjacent they were always involved kind of together as far as their broader story of snake eyes so yeah I really liked uh, Scarlet as a uh, as my my go to number two, uh, GI Joe. There you go. So my number two then is Cobra Commander himself, mm. especially the hooded Cobra Commander. I right. actually I did the mail away, Matt, to get the hooded one. You know, the, you had to buy them all and cut out the proof of purchase and mail it in. Yep. I remember. And I did I that too. thing. So uh, I I don't know what it is. So I was always the kid who wanted to be the bad guy when we right. played, like. Live action replay stuff. I always wanted to be Skeletor. I even had like an old staff I found in the woods that I would use as Skeletor's staff type of a thing. You know, I yeah. built a He-Man sword out of a some like I think it, actually I think about it, it's like crown molding or something that a house. I don't remember now. <laughs> but uh, absolutely. But Cobra Commander was really just I don't know. I just love the hooded Cobra Commander. I love the silver mask you know battle version as well i didn't so much care for the battle armor cobra commander that came out years later that was kind of weird but uh still 
I don't know, I always identified, not identified with, I always like to play with Cobra Commander and I like the, the bag. I just thought it was just a cool little design, especially the hooded yeah. one was just so neat. Yeah. And again, like I said, I always liked the masks. I always thought Cobra Commander was really cool. The only thing that didn't put him on my list was just the fact that he was so annoying in the cartoon. Like he was always played as this kind of sniveling, whining guy with this yeah. really high pitched voice. And I never could get my head around that. So my number one, then uh, I'm sorry, I, I guess I have to do it. It's going to have to be snake eyes. He mm-hmm. was by far my absolute favorite, uh, gi joe now i know we talked about the movie i know it's kind of a letdown because obviously we were kind of building up to all this but hey man it's gotta be me i mean snake eyes was the absolute coolest he was surrounded by mystery he was uh had a cool costume all in black um he had swords he didn't talk um yeah snake eyes was the absolute s agreed it's my number one as well my first introduction to the uzi was Mm. uh snake eyes because he was commando that's what he had I yeah. like the later version that came with the sword and the and the wolf. Yeah. The dog he had. Mm-hmm, that was a cool right. version as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, he is the most popular one, the most mysterious one. He was the one everybody wanted to play and wanted to have. So I really don't think there's any other option but Snake Eyes. I'm going through my list. I think my Iron Grenadier's pick for five is incorrect. Okay. Because there was the other ones, Matt, that were in my list that I couldn't decide on. It was Firefly, Destro, mm-hmm. Zartan. I had Bat. Which is the robot Cobra right. Troopers, which were really yeah. cool designs because they had the hologram on their chest yeah. and the interchangeable hand, which could be like a flamethrower or a gun or a claw. Right. Uh, and then, of course, I had Iron Grenadiers. But for, I may have to go with, I probably would have to go with Zartan, I think. Because one of the coolest things about him is that he would change color in the light. Yeah. He would I heat up that. And his, yeah. his toy would change color. And he came with little masks. You could yeah. put over his face as well because obviously you couldn't tell who it was when he had that mask on, but he was still wearing the same clothes and changing color. Yeah, with that weird hood that he wore that looked yes. kind of like plastic hair. <laughs> Good times. Um, I also had honorable mentions, Matt. Blowtorch was with the mm-hmm. flamethrower guy. That was yep. a weird-looking costume. I loved Big Boa. You remember Big Boa, the Cobra trainer? Uh no, that one I don't remember. That one's lost on me. He had little red boxing gloves, and he had like mm-hmm. a, a big old helmet on, and he had a little Zardoz kind of top. And okay. then, uh, he was created to kind of fight Sergeant Slaughter because remember okay. Slaughter was a GI gotcha. Joe. At one That's point. right. Yeah. Flash was one of my favorites as a kid. The Laser Trooper. Yeah. Mutton Junkyard. I liked more than Law and Order. Those, of course, are the uh, Joes <laughs> with dogs. Yeah. I did have barbecue on my list. Croc Master was a fun one. Oh, yeah, Crocmaster, yeah. Tomax and Zamot. Yep. The Falconer one, Raptor. Yeah. Cobra had their own Falconer. Yeah. And then uh, I guess, oh, and I always kind of like the Astro Viper, also known as the Cobranaut, the uh, Space Cobra Trooper. Yep. Do you have any other ones? uh that you didn't mention i think the only ones i i would mention i liked the crimson guard they were kind of like the first kind of like elite version of the cobra guys and they were pretty cool in their red suits um and then just because it's the stupidest name and he looks so stupid got a bit of a soft stop for snow job the Mm -hmm. skier the alpine soldier he had the red beard with the like poofy uh (laughs) like uh Han Solo on Hoth outfit, except it's completely white um, yep. with the a uh, questionable name choice for a toy. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. All right, folks, what are your favorite G.I. Joe toys? Uh, shoot us an email. We should do this with He-Man, too, at some point. I'd love to go through those old uh, He-Man characters. I had a bunch right. of those, too. Yeah, me too. Manny Faces, Ram Man. Mm-hmm. Stinkor? Yeah, Stinkor. <laughs> Good times. All right, man. What's coming up next week? I once again do not know. Uh, so it's the, on the schedule is the Green Knight, and Ooh. the finally, the final, the finally, we're going to start with our Samurai uh, marathon with Sword of Doom. I think also that Matt Damon movie is coming out, Stillwater, and there's something else too coming out. I want to see, but uh, that's I think Green Knight. Oh, oh, Jungle Cruise. I can no rush to see Jungle Cruise. But I think Green Knight really is the uh, only choice for us there. You excited about your Samurai Marathon? Yeah, I am. I'm excited for the Green Knight, too. So I think we're moving into some solid territory here for the latter part of the summer. 
Good times. And then in a few weeks, we're going to have a special uh, one-off, supposedly, uh, mm-hmm. first-run focus episode. So um, I used this as an opportunity, Matt, to catch up with some of this actor's other films that I had not seen previously. So I okay. have been on quite the journey, but you'll have to wait for a couple of weeks to hear all about that with a very special guest. No, it's not the lady one. Or JC, thankfully. <laughs> In the meantime, check us out at thefirstrun.com. Head on over to YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. It'll help other people find the show. That's wrong. That's wrong. I combined the two things. Oh, okay. So what you do, Matt, is you head over to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Did I say it? I'm all screwed up in my head now. Yeah, you can't. You've got the yips. You've scroll, got the scroll, scroll. Show, yeah. And uh, that's how you find it. And then go over to Apple Podcasts. It'll help other people find the show. Gotcha. And then give us a review that we'll read on there. I have a very, I'm at a very stressful point in my life right now. I'm getting wisdom teeth pulled tomorrow morning, and I'm a little freaked out about it. it was, I was all good for like two weeks that it's coming up, and now that it's actually here, I'm a little worked up about it. Still escape. Yeah. Bad times. What else do I usually say here? I guess that's it. Um, oh, I just want to say quickly, good news about Bob Odenkirk. Did you hear know, about right? all that? Yeah, I did. I, I saw that he collapsed. I didn't I don't know that he turned out to be okay. I don't know if they said why he collapsed, but so he had he's some, okay. He had a heart issue. Oh, okay. A mild heart attack, maybe, or some kind of heart incident. Okay. And his son had tweeted out that he's going to be fine. Okay. Well, good. So good. A national treasure, Bob Odenkirk is fine. Right. If you haven't checked checked them out, HBO Max has all se- all the seasons of Mr. Show, and if you have not watched that show, you have to check it out. Absolutely hilarious stuff. It is a great show. So that's it. All right, we're gonna go ahead then take a break, an extended one at least. Make sure you get vas- vaccinated. Do not ruin my trip to New York next month in September. We'll see you all soon. You know I cook in. Pork chop sandwiches. Oh shit! Get the fuck out of here! What are you doing? Go! Get the fuck out of here, you stupid idiot! Fuck, we're all dead! Get the fuck out! My god, did that smell good.